There we go. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get to it straight away. If you don't have the mobile phone, then you want to be getting to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. Uh, if you are coming tonight for the first time, we are studying the life of Jacob. Jacob is a patriarch recognized by most religions in the world. We're studying his life and we're in Genesis chapter 27. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right in. Genesis 27. No one has ever seen you and you expect us to believe in you. And so we'll have to ask that you help us. Help us now to think. Help us to listen, to engage with what we hear. Please don't let us be gullible. And you, O oh God, you speak through your written word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the question for tonight. How do you get God to bless you? How do you get the gods to bless you? This is a human question. There is no society, there's no culture anywhere, no country on earth where people have not sought God's blessing, or the God's blessing. How do you get God to bless you? For those who are called pagans, um, it's about a sacrifice. You kill the chicken. Or you go up to a certain hill because God is closer at the top of that hill than he is at the bottom of the hill, or whatever, whatever, I don't know. There was a time the Roman Catholic Church taught that you could buy God's blessing through indulgences. I don't think they do that today anymore, but that was around for a while. Even by some who would call themselves Bible-believing Christians. It's so easy. If you don't believe me, you've got your mobile phones. Go on to Amazon.com, and I'll just give you three examples. Here's the first example. Here's a book called The Priestly Prayer of Blessing. Listen to this. The Ancient Secret of the only prayer in the Bible written by God himself. And if you buy that book, well, I guess the secret will be explained to you. Now, of course, you all know that's patently wrong. In the, it's not the first or the only prayer that God wrote in the Bible. Think of Jesus. Pray like this. Our Father is in heaven. So it's, you know, even the title will put off anyone who's biblically literate. But there you go. Here's another example. There's a whole series on Amazon called Operating in the Courts of Heaven. And what this is, is, well, this title is Granting God the Legal Right to Fulfill His Passion and Answer Our Prayers. And what it, the idea behind this series is, is that in heaven there's a way you have to operate. There's a court. And if you don't know how, in fact, one of the books is called Operating in the Court of Heaven for Dummies. Um, and if you don't, well, honestly, sorry, sucks to you if you don't know how to operate properly. Because God's only going to hear those who operate properly. You know? And then one last one, and I'll stop there. I've actually got lists. And, no, uh, and another one is courtroom 
pleading for beginners. How to get your way with God. So how do we squeeze a blessing out of our Heavenly Father? How do we bend his arm? Do we have to find the right lever? Is there a special place somewhere on this planet? Wait, there's a holy place? And if we go there, you've got God's ear. Is there a special way to pray? And if you pray like that, or if you pray in that language, or if you pray facing that direction, you've got God. But until you get it right, is this true? How do we get a blessing from our Heavenly Father? And it's a legitimate question. I'm not mocking the question at all. It's a good question. I want to know the answer because I think I've been doing it wrong. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to learn from the Bible how Jacob squeezed a blessing out of his father. And then we're going to watch closely. And I'm going to show you someone right there. And then you're going to see you can't squeeze a blessing out of your heavenly father because he will be faster to give it to you than you can ask. In fact, you're going to see he's given it to you already. But let's look at that as we go through together. Now, I know what you're all thinking. You're looking at this passage and you're thinking, I only had four coffees. I should have had ten. We can't unpack everything in this passage. And by the way, when you deal with a New Testament epistle, we can do one verse and spend the whole evening on it. When you're dealing with narrative, it's a story. So you're not meant to be silly and we, we treat it as a story. So I'm going to run through the story with you. Some of you will be familiar with it. We'll pick up a few things. But at the end of that, we'll draw together and you will see it on the outline on your mobile phone. Okay, so Genesis 27 verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. This is a patriarchal, ancient narrative recognized by most people on earth, Jews, Muslims, Christians. What's amazing here is that Isaac is going against what he knows to be true. And I love the way the Bible does that. The Bible's not a book of these untouchable, spotless angels. They're just people. And you know from last week that God told Isaac and Rebekah, uh-uh, Jacob's the guy. He's the one who's going to carry this blessing. Isaac's been told this. But you know from last week, Isaac loves Esau. Why does Isaac love Esau? He's a hunter. You know, and daddy's like the guy who plays, you know, first team footy, you know. It's unfortunate. No, it's because he thinks Esau is his firstborn. 
And it should go to the firstborn, right? And it's his favourite. But there's a better reason. And I showed you this last week. It's because he constantly lives by his tummy. He is a gourmand. He is a foodie. Esau, go get me that special food. Your brother can't cook toast. Get me that special food. He's thinking sensually. His tummy is more important to him than his theology. And we looked at that last week. So watch what happens. Now Rebecca was listening when Isaac, watch this. Remember I showed you last week how this, how the word of God always causes division. Just like when God said, let there be light. There's going to be dark. There's going to be light. When God speaks, there's division. So watch verse 5. Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob. <laughs> and you know they both their children. The division is even between the parents because of this promise that God said would go to Jacob. So she says, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game. So, I, you know, I think he must have been South African. But anyway, bring me game, prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock, bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Um, and those of you looking at my head, uh, perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Obey my voice. Go, bring them to me. Now, uh, please understand this. The, the idea of the patriarch blessing the older son is normal, still happens in the culture I'm familiar with, Zulu culture, it still happens. But that's not what's going on here. Remember, Abraham was the holder of God's promise. He passed it on to his son Isaac. And for Isaac to bless his firstborn is a big deal. He's not just giving him the Ferrari. There's a promise that's going to be passed on. Anyway, verse 14. So off goes Jacob. He took them, brought them to his mother. His mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. How many times are they going to say that? The writer is telling us something. Why doesn't it keep saying Isaac loved God's promise? No, Isaac loved delicious food. He is a carnal man. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her oldest son, which were with her in the house, Put them on Jacob, her youngest son. And the skins of the young goat she put on his hands, on the smooth part of his neck. She put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. It's so funny. Do you remember that Isaac sold his birthright for food? Like father, like son. And Esau is now about, I mean Jacob is about to steal a birthright from his dad over food. So he went into his father and he said, my father. And he said to him, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. 
I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat some of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it you found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. The best lies are the ones where Jesus endorses your lie. Or God is on your side. Those are the best lies. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Do you think he's starting to doubt? Some of you are sitting there thinking, how could, he, how could Isaac fall for this? I'll show you. Because we always believe what we want to. So watch what happens. And he didn't recognize him. Because, oh no, sorry, I skipped a verse. Uh, 22. So Jacob went near to his father Isaac, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are like the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hands hairy like uh, his brother Esau. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. Once I start eating, I'll believe anything. And so he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. He wants to believe that this is his oldest son. I mean, because I read this and I think, how could he fall for that? But then you see what some people believe, you know? Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near, kissed him. Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, blessed him. And here's what he said. Watch closely. See the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Now, don't you find that surprising? Esau is a hunter. We know he's restless. Remember last week, he's like Cain. And yet, when Isaac blesses him, Isaac says, may you be an agriculturalist. In other words, the blessing is that you find rest and settle. That's the blessing, that you find land that is yours and you rest. Verse 29, let people serve you, nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now, I'm sure many of you go, ding, and that's not because it's time to end the sermon, um, because you remember something. And you remember that's the promise that God gave Abraham. And that's the promise that God repeated to Isaac. And now Isaac is giving that promise to someone he thinks is Esau, but it's Jacob. It is a promise that those who oppose you will fail, but those who join you will be blessed, which is what God promised Abraham. Now, in history, there were multiple fulfillments of this. In history, before we go to where we draw it out for ourselves in Perth, in history, there were fulfillments. For example, 
from Jacob's line came the great conqueror, David. And he beat up the Edomites. Do you know the Edomites? The descendants of Esau. And so what God promised Jacob here came true in history. In fact, it went all the way until, well, you'll see later, until they turned their back on God's promise. So this had multiple fulfillments. Now we need to stop here. Jacob is deceiving his dad. Did anyone see what God thought of all of this? Where's God's name? Well, he's mentioned. May God give. God's silent. Because what's going on here, the Bible does this, is that this is not, some of you teenagers are sitting here writing notes because you're thinking, that's how I'm going to get the car. <laughs> but the Bible's not giving you, this is what you must do. It's telling the truth. This is what happened without commentary. But you read the Bible and you will see how, listen carefully, God's purposes still work out even through human sinfulness. Even through our deliberate failing, God's purposes still work out. It's astonishing. If you read the rest of the story, you will see this. In fact, I'll jump ahead for you. Let me tell you a few amazing things. God's judgment is always fair. Jacob deceives his old man with a goat and a coat. Jacob himself in his old age will be deceived with a goat and a coat. Remember when Joseph was killed by his brothers and they took goat's blood and took, brought his technicolor coat, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber and all that? And brought it to the dad. He, the dad who did this to his dad will be deceived in the same way. As you reap, you will sow. But it's not just that. There's a lot more to it. Because God's judgment is going to fall even worse. Later on, Jacob will run away and he will be deceived. And he will wake up in the morning and instead of the bride that he was promised, it'll be someone else, Leah. Just like he conned his dad and impersonated, it happened to him. Rachel, who's the conniver behind all of this, the same thing will happen to her. You will see that she will lose both of her sons. In history, God's judgment works out, and it's fair. It's in accordance with, as you have done. But yet, you're going to see God's purposes are not thwarted by human rebellion and sin. So watch what happens. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. We've got to get the recipes from him. And he said to his father, my wife makes a lentil soup. Yes, but anyway, he also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat some of his son's game that you may bless me. Well, his father said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently. And he said, 
Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me and I ate it all before you came? And I have blessed him. And watch this. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Isaac knows he's been conned, obviously. But he suddenly sees God behind every bush. Oh, that came out wrong. <laughs> but how many Christians see the devil behind every bush? Biblical Christians, don't worry about the devil. He's not our problem. We see God behind everything. Everything, the good, the bad. Our case is with God, not anyone else. And so Isaac goes, this whole thing's a fraud. This whole thing's a con. But God has done this. Was it wrong of them? Yes. Still God. He's not endorsing it. Still God will work out his purposes. As soon as Esau, verse 34, as soon as Esau heard the words of the father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he's taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? And I showed you that last week or the week before. Um, Jacob is a Hebrew euphemism for, oh, I remember that Australian word. Shonky, Shonka, Shonka. Yeah, well, well, it's used in my street. And I'm not telling which suburb I come from. Um, uh, you know, someone who's dodgy. He's a con artist. And that's what uh, Jacob's name means. Deceiver, cheater, the one who takes you by the heel. So he took away my birthright and now he's taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Now, this is wrong. Isaac should have called both Jacob and Esau into the room. And he should have looked at his firstborn and said, Dude, you get the blessing. Jacob, you get the Ferrari. That is normal. You don't give the firstborn everything. There's usually something for the, you know, the uh, runt. Um, uh, what's uh, the other? Um and yet, Isaac has Esau all alone because he intended to give nothing. to the, he, It's my favorite boy. He's getting it all. And so that's why Esau says, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him lord over you. And all his brothers I've given to him for servants. With grain and wine I've sustained him. What can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing? You know, see, nagging was, has been around forever. Uh, have you not one blessing? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered to him. And now watch closely. Behold. Away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be. Away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. It's horrible. I, I've shown you and the Bible shows us. God's word divides people. It must because some submit to that word and some spurn that word. And we've already seen Esau didn't think much of God's word. He sold it for a bottle, a bowl of lentil soup or whatever. 
Here's the point, though. What's he going to be? The answer is going to be away. Take that all away. Jesus said that's hell. Hell is away. Separation. Just like uh, the word church means gather. When God gathers people to himself, the opposite is separate. Remember when God chased Adam and Eve away out of the Garden of Eden. And so this is uh, uh, Esau's lot. Away, go. And by your sword you will live and you will serve your brother. In other words, you're going to fight for every inch of ground you get. You are, look what he says, you're going to grow restless. Who was restless? Cain. Cain killed his brother Abel. He became a restless wanderer on the earth. But look at this. You shall break his yoke from your neck. Again, history shows God's word to be true. David conquered Esau, the Edomites. But as the kings of Israel got worse and worse and turned their back on God, finally the Edomites rebelled. In the end, after God promised them through Isaiah and Jeremiah, uh, the Babylonians captured Jerusalem. And do you know what happened? I don't know if you know this. When the Babylonians sacked Jerusalem, Edom ran forward and took the spoils. In fact, they slaughtered the escaping Israelites. Just like God promises, you will break his yoke from your neck. And that's what happened in history. Edom took revenge on Israel. Verse 41. Now, watch this. Esau hated Jacob, his brother, because of the blessings with which his father had blessed him. Remember, God accepted Abel's sacrifice. And so Cain hated. Look at anyone on this planet. If they are blessed by God, I can promise you they'll be hated by others. And so he hates his brother. And look what he says in verse 41. The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Cain. Can you see? It's exactly like Cain. But the words of Esau, her oldest son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent, called Jacob, her youngest son, said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself. Where do you get your comfort from? Revenge. Comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran. Stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you. And he forgets what you've done to him. Then I will send and bring you here. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? And she didn't see Jacob again. Because he did leave. 20 years later he came back and she was dead. That's judgment. And so off he goes. You have a little footnote there. Rebecca said to Isaac, I loathe my life. That's the second time she's suicidal. I remember last week or the week before. Gee, what's wrong with me? I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of these Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? This is a trumped-up excuse to smuggle Jacob out. Because watch what happens. Then Isaac called Jacob, blessed him and directed him, you mustn't take a wife from the Canaanite woman. Don't forget, Esau's been helping himself to the women of the land. And Jacob's waiting for what? 
for his parents' direction. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. Take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you, make you fruitful, multiply, so that you become a company of peoples. You all know that is the promise that God gave to Abraham. That is the promise that God repeated to Isaac. And here it is being repeated to Jacob. And there tells us, may he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that they may take possession of the land of your sojournings. That, here's the difference, Esau, you are going to fight with a sword for every inch of ground you get. Not you, Jacob. May God give you what he decides. One, some people will live by what they can take. Others will live by what God gives them. Then Isaac sent Jacob away. He went to Padan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethlehem, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's mother, either one of them. Then I won't need to read you the rest from verse 6 to verse 9. It's very simple. Do you know my watch has just told me I've done enough exercise for the day? I must have been jostling or something. Goal. Um, from verse 6 to verse 9, you see what the ungodly do. They imitate the godly. So Jacob goes off to get a wife like his mother told him and Esau thinks, wow, these Hittite chicks, you know, they're not, they're, my parents don't love them. I think I'll just go get a few more. You know, and so he goes, I mean, we are only in Genesis 28. Where does he think he can marry more than one woman? Where does he get that from? All you women should be thinking, yeah, because it was not like that in Genesis. God never said that. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God said, man shall leave his mother and father and the two will be... He goes, he's like, well, never mind that. I'm going to get a few. Just so you know that that's not endorsed by the Bible. It's reported, but not endorsed. Okay, now we need to get somewhere. How will we get our heavenly Father to bless us? We've got a story of a man in the Bible who squeezed a blessing out of his dad. You and me, Perth, 2021. How will we squeeze a blessing out of our Heavenly Father? I've got four things for you there, all on your mobile phones. Number one, well, I take it from the story. You won't get a blessing without the death of the blesser. Isaac calls Jacob, and, uh, well, sorry, Esau, and says, I'm about to die. Let me bless you. And that's not once off. That's what Abraham did to Isaac. That's when you pass a blessing on. When do you pass a blessing on? If you read the Old Testament, it's when you're about to die. If you're not going to die, your blessing stays with you. Especially an inheritance. Has anyone here inherited something from someone who's still alive? The only time a will, you know, Mr. Lawyer, the only time a will kicks in is when? When someone dies. This is a picture of what God has done for you. Dwayne, you're making that up? No. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16 says, There can be no inheritance without the death of the testator. 
And therefore, Jesus had to die so that you can get your inheritance. Without Jesus' death, you can't get a blessing. But Jesus died. And because he died, his death put into effect the new covenant through his death. So first of all, you can't get a blessing from God unless someone dies. Don't worry. God sent someone to die for you. Secondly, you won't get a, hear this, you won't get a blessing unless you're the firstborn. If you're sitting here tonight and your name's Jacob, <laughs> it means nothing, sorry. Uh, you know what I mean. If you're not the firstborn, you don't get it. I'm sorry. But wait. The Bible tells me Jesus is the firstborn. The Bible tells me that Jesus is the heir of all things. The Bible tells me that Jesus has inherited everything from the Father. And then the Bible tells me, I am a co-heir with Christ. To my absolute astonishment, my older brother is better than Esau. Do you know why? Because when I got to the tent and Isaac was trying to, you know, he had his Zimmer frame and he was trying to get up and put his teeth back in and, and he was going to get ready to bless me. My older brother said, come with me. And he went into the tent holding me. And when the father said, is that you, Jesus? Are you my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? Jesus said, yes. But I've brought someone with me. And everything Jesus gets, everything Jesus gets, he shares with you. Everything, bar nothing. Jesus Christ is the older brother, the firstborn. And you and I are co-heirs with him. Therefore, people, you don't have to pretend to be somebody else. That's what Jacob did. And that leads to the third thing. The third thing is you're not going to get a blessing unless you're somebody else. Or you pretend. So, and so Jacob had to pretend to be Esau. Guess what? What happens if God the Father is not like Isaac? Because you can't fool him. You can put your religious clothes on, but he'll see right through you. What happens if God the Father treats you as if you were Jesus? Knowing full well you're not, but he treats you like that. No, he has a better one. Rebecca gives Jacob a cloak, a coat to fool Isaac. What happens if God gives you something to wear? He gives you the righteous robes of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that, you can see it in many places, one place in Revelation, that Christians are clothed spiritually and thankfully physically too. Christians are clothed with 
righteousness that is not our own. I didn't do this. I didn't make this. I'm not a seamstress. God gave it to me. It is God the Father who clothes us with the older brother's clothes. Righteousness. But I've got one final thing. That Isaac was a gourmand. His tummy, he loved his food. You can't get a blessing number four unless you offer a perfect sacrifice. And so what did Jacob have to do? Mum, you know I burnt the toast again. Well, you cook the goats. Esau, I got this. I'm not, you know, I can cook. What will you offer God to get his blessing? Once again, God provided the perfect sacrifice. God sent Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice for you. Astonishingly, I'm serious, and we will take a collection. You're right. What can you give God? There's nothing you can take. There's nothing you can give God. He gave you his son. Think for a moment. Do you imagine that Isaac would be willing to sacrifice Esau? Jacob, his darling. God did that. God gave his one and only son as a perfect sacrifice for you and for me. Now I want to close with this thought. Did Jesus squeeze blessing out of God for you? The answer is no. This whole thing I've been telling you about was God's idea. Your father loved you so much. He concocted this whole thing for you to demonstrate his love for you. See, it's a trick question. How do you get your father to bless you? It's a trick question. The answer is you can't. He has already blessed you in Jesus Christ. He has done everything for you. If you go to Jesus, you will get what's coming to you. An inheritance. The promises. And I don't have time to tell you all of those. But if you don't go to Jesus, good luck. Try and squeeze a blessing out of God. That's what biblical Christianity is about. Well, I'm going to let that rattle around in your head. I'll give you exactly 32, 31, 30, 29 seconds. I'll stop there and then I'll take a couple of questions and we'll be done. So feel free to stretch. Maybe massage the person's shoulders in front of you. No, don't. It's only the third date, so don't do that.